So this morning around uh, 7 o'clock, I, I wake up usually on Sundays around 7. And uh, usually my alarm clock goes off or I wake up on my own, however that seems to play out. But um, I reach over to my nightstand, I grab uh, my Bible, and basically what I do is I just read through the verses that I'll be sharing uh, on Sunday morning, this morning. And so I pray for myself. Does anybody pray for themselves? Okay. It's a good habit. Pray for yourself. Uh, The Bible is full of men that pray for themselves. Jesus prayed for himself. Right? Paul prays for boldness for himself. Uh, so basically what I do is I, is I read over the text and, and, and I just begin to pray for myself. And the things that I pray is that, is that this morning when I share that, that God would give me boldness, but also that, that you would kind of see through me and, and only see the cross, that you would just see past Eric or, or past my personality and see Jesus. I, I pray that, that God would speak louder than how I speak and I can get pretty loud. Amen. Some of you are like he's passionate. Some of you are like he's loud. All right. Uh, I don't. I don't know what it is. I. I, I kind of. I, I pray that God would speak louder than me. Um, and then, and then when I'm done, I kind of get up and I get in the shower and I, I. I clean up as best as I can. I. I try to make myself pretty for you. How do I look? Nice. Thanks. I try to pretty myself up. And uh, Sunday mornings I don't do coffee. All right. There's a reason I don't do coffee on Sundays. It's because I love you, right? And I'm kind of amped already. So if I add coffee to that mix, it's just dangerous. All right, we, we, we want a family-oriented service. And so I don't want to scare the kids by drinking coffee on Sunday morning. So I, I, I don't drink coffee. And, and I, I leave the house around 8 o'clock. Uh, around 8 o'clock, I go and I usually park my car at a park or sometimes a parking lot. Uh, and I and I sit there and I, I pray some more and I and I read over my notes and uh, I study a little bit and I, I pray for you. I pray that you would hear uh, the voice of God and and so at about eight forty five uh, on occasion I go and I pick up my friend Ken and I and he's at the baseball game today so go cards. Uh, usually I go pick up Ken and I and I bring him to church. And, and what I do when I get here, I get here right around 9 o'clock. And at 9 o'clock, I kind of straighten some things up. Uh, the building's pretty much clean. I start to brew the coffee. I do any uh, touch-up things that need to be done. I kind of run down service with the worship team and how uh, we feel like things are going to go today. And, 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 then, and, then, and then I get ready to meet the family. And, and, that's, and that's my routine. All right? that's, that's my rhythm, if you will. All right? do, do you guys have a rhythm? You guys kind of have a routine, and I could go on. I could tell you my rhythm throughout the week, what I do on Monday and what I do on Tuesday. But just for time's sake, that's kind of my that's kind of my rhythm on Sundays, right? That's what I do on Sunday mornings. That's that's my rhythm. So if you ever have a routine or have a rhythm, you you know what I'm talking about. You know that around this time tomorrow, you're going to be here doing this type of deal, and that's because we we all kind of revolve around this this. Rhythm, And I would tell you that rhythm and routines are good uh, because it makes us productive. Amen? Like it makes us productive. It allows us to make the most out of God's day uh, when we're uh, rhythmic and we're, uh, we're doing certain type of things, schedules. Um, but at times, these, these rhythms, these routines can be destructive. 
And let me tell you what I'm talking about. If you forget why it is that you do what you do, it can become destructive. If you're just going through the rhythm because that's what you do, but you forget why you're actually doing that rhythm, which I think a lot of us may be caught up in, we begin to be destructive. Let me give you an example. Um, A young man uh, graduates college or doesn't graduate college, but at some point in a young man's life, he feels like he needs to uh, get a job, and, and parents would say, Amen. All right? Our kids need to get a job. So, so at some point in life, they feel this angst to go and, and get a job. And so they go get a job and they, and they start working uh, in order to uh, provide. All right? so first of all, really, it's really to provide for themselves. Why are you working? Because I need some money. All right, so they go to work and they they start to provide for themselves, and so after that they meet uh, a woman. All right, and and really for my sake, I, I tricked a girl into liking me, so uh, I still have her. I'm still playing that juggling game, but uh, she she likes me, and and so we decided to get married. And so so guys, we get this job. Maybe you don't have a job. You meet this girl, and under the weight of providing for my family, I work. And so I need to get a better job, or I need to move up higher in this job that I have. Are you tracking with me? And so I want to provide for me. I want to provide for my wife. I want to provide for my family. So I need to make a little bit more money. And and where are we going to live? So I need to find a place to live. And in order to live there, I need to provide. So I need to work a little harder and climb that corporate ladder a little bit more so I can have some more money under the tenses of Providing for my family, and then all of a sudden, before, before you know it, we get married, and there's... The guy doesn't sit around and get fat. It's, this is pregnant. Alright, there's, there's, there's a baby, right? Oh, 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 there's a baby, alright? This is good news, this is great news, but I feel this weight because I have to... Provide for my family. And so now that I'm providing, I'm not only providing for me, I'm providing for her. And not only am I providing for her, I'm providing for them. And then, and then twins or triple or whatever it is, it's like, okay, I have to provide for my family. And I have to work. And I have to put in some more hours and some more time. And I have to bring home some more money. Now, now let, me, let me clarify what I'm saying here. Providing for your family is good. Because 1 Timothy 5.8 would say that a man who doesn't provide for his household has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. So dudes, alright, get a job, alright? Work. That's not a bad thing. Alright, but under the tense of providing for your family after 5, 10, 15 years, he's actually neglected to provide the one thing that his family actually needs. Which is him. Amen? And so all this time, this routine, this rhythm, under the pretense of providing for the family can be destructive. Are you you with me? And so we have to be reminded, why do we do these things that we do? All right? Why am I doing this? So so that... that, uh, uh, baby can have a new dress, or baby can have some new pair of shoes, or why do I do what I do? Why is this rhythm? And so today what we're going to do is we're going to start on a journey over six weeks, and, and we're going to be talking about a gospel-centered church. Namely, why do we do what we do? 
Why are we doing this? Why are we going here? Why are we doing these things? And so a gospel-centered church looks like these things. And we're going to be discussing them over the next six weeks. And so if you look at the mission of LifePoint Church, why do we do? We could so easily just get caught up in the rhythm of church. Has anybody ever got caught up in the rhythm of just doing church? And so regularly we need to be reminded, why do we do what we do? Here's, here's the mission of LifePoint Church. It says, LifePoint Church exists to glorify God by living a gospel-centered life that points to Christ everywhere in every way. So, so here's the deal. If, if we're going to be on mission at LifePoint Church, the first thing we need to do is we need to understand what's God's mission. I mean, really, what's this whole thing about? What it, because if we don't get underneath of what all of it's about, if we don't understand God's mission, and if we don't get high enough to be able to look down and see what God is doing, then it doesn't matter what LifePoint Church is doing. Amen? I mean, if we don't, if we don't grab hold of what God is really doing, then, it, then we might as well sleep in. Anybody else need a little nap? Maybe a little more sleep, right? We might as well just do that instead of this. If we're not doing what God is doing, it doesn't matter what we do. And so today I want to talk to you about biblically, what is the mission of God? What is God up to? What is this whole thing about? Let me ask you, from, from the stars to the universe to the trees to life to death, all of it, what is God doing? What's, it, what's the whole thing about? What's the mission of God? All right. Ephesians 1 is going to help us out. Let's go. <clears throat> Ephesians 1, we'll start in verse 3. It said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us. Let me say that again. Who has blessed us, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined, what's the word? Us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to the purpose which he set forth in Jesus Christ. Now, I want to stop right there. Because just simply looking at this text, we could just simply look at the world through cultural lenses, which means uh, we see the world for uh, where we're at or where we've been brought up or where we've been. And so we look at the world and we say, look at all of this stuff out here. Look at all that God's doing. What's the point? And we would say that the point is us. I must be the point. Because eight times in nine verses, he says, us, we, or me. So, so here's the deal, is I look at the culture, I look at the world, and think, 
It's about us. I read texts like this and say, man, I can point to the fact that God created us. God loves us. God provides for us. God's blessed us. He cares for us. Isn't it obvious? Must be about us. And so we live in a world that revolves around me. Revolves around us. And so many times we live in churches that revolve around me. Around us. I mean, after all, I mean, it says that he's blessed us. He's given to us. He's adopted us. We must be the point. Let's keep reading because here's, here's the point behind it all. Verse 9 again. He says, making known to us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time. What? To unite all things in him. Things in heaven and things on earth. He doesn't stop there. Verse 11. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we, why? So that we, who were the first to hope in Christ, might be to the praise of his glory. In him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed in the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance, until we acquire the possession of it. Why? To the praise of his glory. And so now, the reason why he's blessed us, the reason why he chose us, the reason why he has adopted us, the reason why he has forgiven us through the blood of Jesus Christ, the reason why he calls us to himself, the reason why he seals us with the guarantee of the Holy Spirit, the reason why it's all for his glory. Do you see it? So now underneath all of it, underneath all these blessings, all these giving, all these providings, it's all ultimately about his praise. It's about his glory. And so we live in an age where we need to take this me self adventure and look at the core of it and flip it upside down and say, it's really not about me. It's about him. It's about him. Flip over to Psalm 23. Probably one of the most popular passages in the Bible. Uh, if you grew up in church, you probably have a coffee mug, maybe a bumper sticker or a bookmark or a t-shirt even with Psalm 23 on it. Some of you are laughing because you have one. You're like, yeah, I do. That's right. Psalm 23, we love this verse, we love it. It says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters, we love that. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness. Now, if we stopped right there, we could see, well, isn't that true? I mean, isn't that about me? 
I mean, he leads me here. He lays me down here. He takes care of me. He shepherds me. He loves me. He does. Absolutely does. Look at what it says. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. That's another word. That's another phrase for saying it's about my name, my renown, my glory. It's about my name. I do these things for you for it is my name. It's for my name's sake. So why does God love you? It's not because of you. It's for his name's sake. Let me unpack it like this. There's a book called Cat and Dog Theology. You ever heard of it? Cat and Dog Theology is written by Bob Sorgen and Gerald Robinson. Let me explain to you Cat and Dog Theology real quick. He says that dogs have masters and cats have staff. Think about that for a second. Dogs have masters, cats have staff. So the cat goes, you pet me, you feed me, you love me. You make much of me, so I must be God. Right? I mean, I'm the center of your universe. I mean, look, every time you come home, you pet me, you come to me, you praise me, you give me treats. I'm the, I'm the ultimate here. So the cat would say, I must be God. Where the dog, you feed him, he says, you feed me, you pet me, you take care of me. Depending on how big he is, you let me sleep in your bed. You must be God. And, and so, it's, so it's why when you come home, your dog is all over you and your cat could care less. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, tails a wagon, stuff's being knocked over. Oh, oh, I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad. And your cat's like, ah. Rings the little bell for some food or something, right? Like, so, so here's the deal is, is when we think of church or people in church, we are so much like that cat-like theology, right? Well, he leads me, he guides me, he loves me, he feeds me, he blesses me. He, I must be the center of his world. I, it, his affections must be ultimately for me. The problem with that is that when it's about you, when you're the point, everything falls apart. Everything just falls apart. The Bible is God's disclosure of himself. The Bible, from front to back, everything in the word is about him. It's about his glory. It's about his name. It's about his renown. Listen, you're in it, but your part is not pretty. All right? Your part is not good. It's not glamorous. It's not righteous. You're in it, but this is all about God's glory. Let me read some to you. Isaiah 43, it says, God created us for his glory, for his name, and his renown. God rescues Israel from Egypt for his glory. Psalm 106 God raises up Pharaoh to show his power and his glory. That's Romans 9. 
God spared Israel in the wilderness for the glory of his name, Ezekiel 20. God gave Israel the promised land. Why? For the glory of his name, 2 Samuel. God did not cast away his people for the glory of his name. God saved Jerusalem from attack. Why? For the glory of his name, 2 Kings. God restored Israel from exile for the glory of his name, Ezekiel 36. The Bible is about the mission of God. And the mission of God is his glory. His praise. It's about his renown. Some of you are like, well, well Eric, what about, what about Jesus? I mean, didn't Jesus make it about me? Didn't Jesus come to seek and save me? Didn't Je- isn't, isn't Jesus for me? Yes, but in John 7, Jesus sought the glory of the Father before all he did. Matthew 5, Jesus told us to do good work so that God would get the glory. So his name and his fame and his renown would be proclaimed to the nations. So many believe that with certain actions that somehow we can barter with God. We may not say that. With our mouths. But really if we pay attention to how we think or how we live. We think that with our actions we can somehow barter with God. Let me tell you what I mean. Like if I do this. Then God will do this. And if I act this way. Or if I go here. If I say If I do these things. Then God will do these things. And so somehow through my behavior and through my actions, somehow I can barter with God to make God do what I want him to do. Now, we may not say that, but we we think that way, don't we? That somehow, I mean, listen, you do reap what you sow. All right, that's biblical. But the deal is we think that because of my good behavior, God owes me something. God owes me something like you. you Listen, you think you deserve something from God because you think that God is indebted to you because of your good behavior. If you want to talk about what you deserve. I mean, the Bible's clear that. That he owes you death. That's what we deserve. You want to talk about what you deserve? You deserve wrath. You deserve punishment. You, your good works are like filthy rags, the Bible says. You ever thought of that? Romans 3 says there's no one's good, not, not even one. Ephesians 2 says we've all gone astray through the way we think, the, the things we do, the way we act. All of it. Dirty. So what, what do we deserve? We, we deserve wrath. James 4 says anyone who knows the good he ought to do and does not sins. And through sin leads to death. So we deserve death. You want to talk about what you deserve? You, you deserve death. And, but we say things like... How can God allow that to happen to me? Anybody ever said that? It's a noble question. I've said it. 
How can, how can, man, I, I don't deserve this. I don't, I don't deserve that. Why is God doing this to me? I don't, why, why would God allow this to happen to somebody so good? Good? Jesus says no one's good except for God alone. And so we think. God owes me. God, God owes me. Look how good I've been. I've been going to church. I, I give in the joy box. Like I, I, I serve when I can. Like I've been, I've been, a, I've been a good guy, man. It's when you begin to believe that it's still about me that everything falls apart. When you think it's about you, everything falls apart. Because the gospel, the good news is that about, it's about his glory. The good news is, is that through Jesus Christ, he came and lived the perfect life that we cannot live. Hear that? You cannot be good enough to please God. He, Jesus, lived the perfect life and he died in such a way that you and I and all of us deserve to die. And he, in that cross, in that death, in that shedding of blood absorbed the wrath of God towards me so it's not any works or anything that I can boast about, but I look to him and the good news is that he fulfilled it all. He overcame sin, he overcame death, he overcame the grave, and he rose again so that I could know him. Listen to me, the good news of the gospel is that I get Jesus. That's why in Ephesians 1, it says that God has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Listen, you get Jesus. That's what you get. It's not, it's not okay, I've got Jesus, now I want a new car. Oh, I got Jesus, so now I want a, a, a life without any sickness. Oh, I get Jesus, so now, listen, what more we ask? We get Jesus, and in Christ, we see his glory. Yeah, 2, Corinthians 2, uh, 2 Corinthians 4, 6, it says, Let light shine out of the darkness, has shone into our hearts, revealing the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So out of Jesus, we Get him. That's what this is about. That's what this is. It's about him. We get him. And as a believer, we, we get him. As a believer, we get to walk with him. We get to stand in him. We get to be adopted as sons and daughters for the praise of of his glory. The good news is that you get Jesus. And let me hear me. You can't have saving faith if it's about you. You can't. 
You can't have saving faith because if the whole thing is about you, you will begin to miss the one thing that you need more than anything, and that's him. So if you're thinking right now, well, that sounds like God is self-centered. I mean, it sounds like it sounds like God is just really all about himself, which he is. Well, it sounds like he's 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 really impersonal because he's all about himself and he's never about anyone. No, listen, the good news is that we need him more than anything. And when he calls us into himself, we get to taste and see that the Lord is good. And it's better than life, guys. It's better than anything we've ever experienced. It's better than, than all things. John 14, Jesus says that he answers prayers so that he would be glorified. Jesus endured his final Hours of suffering for the glory of God, John 12. God gave his son to the glory of his righteousness, John 17. God forgives sin for his own namesake. Jesus receives us into his fellowship for the glory of God. That's Romans 15. The ministry of the Holy Spirit is to glorify the son. John 16. God instructs us to do everything for his glory. That's 1 Corinthians 10. God tells us to serve in such a way that we would glorify him. Jesus is coming again to glorify God. That's 2 Thessalonians 1. And did you know in Revelation 21, in the new Jerusalem, it says that the glory of God will replace the sun? The universe, as we know it, revolves around the sun, doesn't it? It says the glory of God will replace the sun. Everything revolves around him. Do you get the point? What's this all about? Why do, we, why, do we, why do we sing? Why do we read the word to remind us that it's about his glory? Why do we do groups the way we do groups? Why do we meet in discipleship? Why do we love others? It's for the glory of God. It's not about you. I, I just want to lovingly remind us that it's not about you. Welcome to Life Point. <laughs> right? But we live in an age where everything's about us. Right? Every commercial, it's about you. Every marketing strategy is about you. Every Church, really, really, if you think about it, church is about you, right? Come here, come on, come to our church. We've got something for everyone, right? We've got this class, we've got this program, we've got this. It's, it's all about everything. We've got, we've got stuff for everyone. Have it your way right away. Isn't it the Burger King slogan, right? You order it, we make it. It's whatever you want, whatever you want, right? Everything is about what do you desire? What do you want? You're the point. God loves you. God's for you. It's all about you. If you were the center of God's universe, then that would make God an idolater. Think about it. If you were the focus, God would be committing idolatry against himself because that makes you God. The fact is, this church, we, don't, we do have something for everyone, and his name is Jesus. 
Right? We, we do. I don't, I don't know what age you're at. I don't know where your lifestyle's at. I don't know what you've been through. But I know that Jesus is the center. I know Jesus is the one we're after. I know glorifying God is what we came here to do. What did you come here to do? We want to encourage you. How do we want to encourage you? Run to Jesus. We want to help you through your trials. You know how we're going to help you through your stuff? Run to Jesus. You want to know how you're going to make it through when times are hard? Go to Jesus. He's the center of it all. He deserves all the glory. Well, Eric, what about suffering? Hmm? I mean, if God is for God, and when we enter into God, when we enter into this relationship with God, he's supposed to bring about my joy, and in my joy, I'm to glorify him. Because in him brings the fullest amount of joy in my life, And so I am freed up to make much of him, to worship him, to follow him, to love him. But listen, when I'm suffering, I don't feel very joyful. When I'm going through a hard time, I don't feel very God glorifying. So what about suffering? What do you do in those moments that they're hard? How is God using that dark time to increase my joy? Listen, by being enough in those dark times, that's how. By being present in times of suffering. By being the one you can lean on always. I won't forsake you. I won't leave you. That's how about his glory and suffering. And so God says, I'm going to call Eric into myself. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to grab hold of his heart. God says, I'm going to grab hold of Kevin. I'm going to bring him to me. I'm going to grab hold hold of Mitch. I'm going to bring him to me. I'm going to call him to myself so that I'm going to free him up to make much of me. I'm going to call him to myself. So, so God says he's going to follow me. He's going to love me. He's going to worship me. It, and, it, and it's not this idea that we think that that's like the NFL draft, like God is up there in heaven looking around and saying, hmm, man, these guys got some talent out there. Look at, look at that guy's 40, man. He's got a 40 time that it just blows my... God is not up there saying, look at all the talent out there. These guys are going to be great on my team. And so if we could just get that guy or if we could just get that girl locked down, man, that's going to be great publicity for the kingdom. That's not what's going on. It's, it's not the draft. You have nothing to offer to God that he doesn't already have. All right? It's not about you. He says, I'm going to free you up to make much of me. And so why has he blessed us in every spiritual blessing? It's for his glory. Why has he chose us before the foundation of the world? Why did he redeem us through his blood? Why does he forgive sins? Why does he lavish wisdom? Why does he seal us with the Holy Spirit? Why has he given us an inheritance forever? So that we could spend all of our days making much of him. And so, 
So when it's not about us, all of a sudden, your life, your life gets a little less weighty, doesn't it? There are testimonies out there like, it's like you sleep better. You breathe a little easier. You're freed up to try to barter with, not barter with God anymore. God's not keeping score. God owes you, it's, it's all about freeing us up to make much of him. And so today, I just want to ask you, in what ways has your life revolved around you? Look at your schedules. Look at your rhythms. Look at what you do. Listen, this morning, I got up around 7 a.m. And I prayed that you would hear. Because I know I'm not good enough to make you hear. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. And I asked the Lord to allow you to see through me and see his face. And so maybe today you're here and you just say, you know what, I've centered my life around me. Centered my focus around me. What ways does your life drive down the road of self? Rather driving up the mountain to glorify him. Today may you cling to him. May you just run to him. May you grab hold of him. May you confess to him the ways that you've clinged to other things for hope, other things for truth, other things for life. So I'd ask you to do some hard work right now. I'd ask you to just pray with me that our lives would glorify him. Jesus, we come before you now and just Confessing that we all have rhythms. We all have routines. We all have things that uh, we do. And, and some of us, we've just forgotten why we do what we do. And so, Lord, right now, I just would ask you to begin to stir our hearts. For your namesake. I ask that we would just sit still for just a moment. And allow you to reveal to us, Lord, the ways we've made it about our glory or our name. Jesus, I pray that you would help us as individuals, as, as families that make up, make up your church, that we would just simply today repent of any of ways that we've made it about anything other than you. Jesus, today I confess that you're worthy of our praise. 
everything's about you. It's for you and it's to you. I pray for us as parents. We stop teaching our kids that it's about success or fame. And those things that we pursue with our time. But Lord, let us take time to glorify you. I pray for us as husbands that we would not give our families anything other than they need, and that's Jesus. I pray for us as sons and daughters that our first love would be you. And in you there's joy and there's life. I pray for us as the church. That in everywhere, everywhere we are, in every way we live life, may it all be for you, God. May our lives sing to you how great you are, how wonderful you are, and how you've blessed us with everything in you, Jesus. I would invite you as the church now to taste and see. Will you today just taste and see that the Lord is good and that he's worthy of glory? In Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to invite.